Today, today's a serious subject. I want you to make sure you've got God's Word in front of you. So today, if you have your phone or your tablet, uh, open it up. You can use the YouVersion Bible app if you want. If you've got the paper version, which is what I have, which I love, two of my favorite sounds in church is this. The sound of children and babies and the sound of God's Word turning. Two of my favorite sounds in church and during church. Uh, we have two babies in the room today, and I want you to know, if they cry, it's okay. I can preach louder. <laughs> but we are very thankful that everyone is here today. Today we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians. That's where we will begin today. This world is filled with evil. I got one person paying attention today. Uh, <laughs> Lewis, you're going to help me preach, right? Oh, come on now. Help me out. <laughs> this world is filled with evil. Uh, now I got two people. All right, I'm waiting for you all to get on board with me. This world is filled with evil. Yeah. There we go. Now you're on board with me. Let me tell you, it doesn't take long for you to turn on the news or listen to the news online and you're going to realize very quickly how bad this world is getting. I see some heads nodding. You know, this world, and preachers said it when I was growing up, so I'm going to say it too. This world is the worst I've ever seen it. In my lifetime, in your lifetime, we are living in such a selfish society, an angry society, a culture that's filled with turmoil, with ugliness and hatred. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. If you have been witness to that, or if you have experienced that, or if you have seen that, say, Amen. Amen. We have seen it. Have we ever seen so many murders or shooting going on? Going to Gwinnett, Gwinnett County is taking your life into your own hands, it seems like. There are sexual crimes of all varieties. There is hatred for others, but people who love themselves more than their brothers and sisters or more than their neighbors or more than their friends. We are living in a society, in a culture that seems to be filled with evil and ugliness. And I'm about to say something and... You better hold on. It doesn't resonate from Washington, D.C. It resonates from the pits of hell. Sometimes we think that all of our problems are coming from our politicians when the problems are coming from the evil one named Satan himself. And he's the one that we need to be looking at in this battle. Unfortunately, we are living in a divided society that no matter where you look or where you turn, it seems like there's division on every hand. And let me tell you, God is not the author of division. Satan is. So today, the question is going to be that we're going to consider, that I'm going to, to put forth before you is this. The world seems to be filled with evil. What are we to do? Us who are here in this room, those who are watching online, those who are listening, those who call Christ their Savior, what are we to do? How do we survive in such an evil world? Well, I want us to look at 
at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And we're going we're gonna to just read all the verses to start with today. I just feel like the Lord wants me to do that. So here we go. Chapter 3, verse 1, looking in your word of hope. I heard a pastor call it that this week and I loved it. Look in your word of hope today in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. And that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. I want us to talk about a reality this morning. The very first thing about the reality and what's real is this, that evil exists. Alright, this side of the room, they got it. But the center in this side over here, I don't know if you got it, so I'm going to tell you again. Right, right here in the center. Number one, evil exists. All right, all right. How, how about this side over here? Evil exists. All right, all right. What in the world was that? And let me tell you something. I think evil exists in the technology that's in church sometimes. Because I'll tell you this, this is no joke. Everything will work in this room until Sunday morning at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock and something will break and tear up and not be working. Something online won't work. There won't be audio. The video's messed up or something's going to happen. You want to know why? Because evil exists and doesn't want the good news of the gospel going out to people who need hope. But you know what? Evil may exist, but it's not going to win. Evil exists. Look in, look in chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. And that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. Evil men. Not just bad guys, but evil. Perverse and evil. Or improper and evil. Because why? Because they do not have the faith. They're not born again. They don't understand. They don't have the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say in verse 3, and that we will be rescued from uh, the per perverse and evil men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. The NASB adds the one there because it's talking about the one to whom is the source of all the evil in this world, and that is Satan himself. So evil exists. It's a reality. You know, there's a strong argument by some atheist that says, since evil exists, God must not. Because if God was an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God, then He wouldn't let evil go on. But can I tell you something? For someone to say that, they are putting themselves in the place of God to say, I know better than an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God that He should be doing what I say, not what He's decided. So in the essence of that argument, it falls apart. Because why does evil exist? Why doesn't God just wipe it out? Okay, real quick. If He did, this would be heaven, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't know about you, but in my 49 years of life, it sure hasn't felt like heaven. There's been some joys at times, but it's felt like the other place at other times. Evil exists because without evil, would we have a choice to love God? 
and obey. If there was no evil and it was only good that existed, there would be no choice in what we did. It would all be good that we did. So the free will and the love would not be there. So evil exists so that God can be glorified. See, for someone to think that because evil exists that God cannot is to say that God cannot handle evil, but my God takes evil and works it out for the good. And He can bring about greater things than the evil ever wanted to bring. So we're going to proceed with this presented to you that evil is real and it exists. And it stems from the heart of Satan himself. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober of spirit. Be on the alert for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Scripture makes it clear that the devil is alive, he is well, and he is seeking to destroy you. Evil manifests itself in the form of mankind, does it not? Because there are people in this world, let's just be real, they're just mean. Have you ever just been around somebody that's just flat out mean? You ever been around someone, someone that just seems to absolutely be just as evil and mean as can be? It's not the person sitting next to you, okay? Don't be elbowing your spouse. There are people in this world that manifest this idea of evil. That's why Paul... See, this isn't a new thing. Look, Paul, the apostle, thousands of years ago says that please pray that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. See, when man's heart does not belong to God, it belongs to something. And despite some opinions, you only have two choices. You either serve God or you serve the evil one. There is no in-between. You may think that you can kind of be in-between and kind of walk the fence and say, Okay, I'm going to do things my way and I'm going to... It's going to be about me, but then I'm going to show up on church on Sunday and just get me some information and feel better, and then I'm going to go back to living like I want to live. Let me tell you something. You're serving two masters. You are serving God on a Sunday morning, and then you're stepping right over here and serving Satan. Yes, let me be very clear. If you are not seeking God's will and serving Him, you're serving the evil one who wants to get you away from God's will. Because if you're not in the center of God's will doing what He wants, you're over here listening and falling prey to what He wants. There is a spiritual battle taking place, ladies and gentlemen. It began in the Garden of Eden, and it still is roaring today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. The battle is not against those in Washington. It's against the devil himself. They may be used as pawns of Satan, but the battle is against Satan. He wants us to be distracted on what is not really the battle. 
He wants us to think the problem is our neighbor or that person in our family. He wants us to think it's our boss or the person we work with. But let me tell you, the problem's not flesh and blood. It's the evil one. He's the problem. And as long as he can make us think it's someone, he keeps our mind off of the real one. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2 Verses 24 through 26 says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. This is all about the bondservant of God, the Christian, the born-again believer. But there wasn't a period there. There was a comma. Listen to this. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. So 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 26 indicates to us that even if you're born again, you can be ensnared by Satan, having been held captive by him to do his will and not God's. So we as believers must be careful because we will fall prey to the evil one. We do that through what we think, what we feel, which leads to what we believe. And we begin to compromise what God has asked us to do, and then we become doing the evil one's will. So what if we are engaged in this battle? What if the battle is raging around us, and and it's raging right now, and we're in the middle of it? Some people, some people are overwhelmed. Some people are in the midst and they are overwhelmed and they need rescuing. That's why I love what Paul says here. And that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. Rescued. What does rescue actually mean? You can write that down. We can be rescued in the midst and in the being overwhelmed by the battle. We can be rescued. In this world, you will have trouble. Amen? Come on now. Help me preach. In this world, you're going to have trouble. And it's going to be at the hands of Satan that he wants to bring this mess into your life to mess the way you think, the way you act, the hope that you feel, the joy that you experience. And he wants you to see the problem as the other person. But in the midst of all that, when you become overwhelmed and you cannot understand what's going on around you, And it seems like nothing but evil is prevailing. Let me give you some hope. God is there. He is the one who can take what was meant for evil and bring about the good. He is the one who is still present and still working. Even in the midst of all the ugly and the bad that's taking place. See, God can take what destroys and bring about life. The cross is a great example We think of death as something that destroys. But yet Jesus died on the cross so that we may what? Live. God can take what seems like destruction and bring about life. God can take what hurts and bring about hope. The disciples were heartbroken. Jesus' mother was weeping when he died and when he was buried. But on that third day, hope came forth from that grave. What was meant to be evil was brought about 
for good. So for those who are overwhelmed by the attacks of the evil one, for you today that just feel like you just don't know which way to turn because it's just too much, it is just overwhelming to you, let me give you a promise from God's Word. You can be rescued. Maybe today you are at a place where you need to be rescued. And you know who Paul is turning to? Do you notice who he's turning to? Look, look, watch this. Verse 3, finally, or verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men. Who is he appealing to? He's, he's appealing to the other Christians. That rescuing, we need to be part of it. We don't need to leave our brothers and sisters to rescue themselves. We need to be on our knees praying. Let me tell you, the one thing that Satan hates more than anything is when a born-again believer will bow their head or bow their knee and they will begin to pray. Because all of a sudden, in that moment, that particular individual is no longer relying on their own source of power, but on the power that created the heavens and the earth and spoke all things into existence. When you bow your knee, Satan begins to tremble. Stop it! We should be praying for one another to be rescued from evil men. Let me tell you, there's some evil men in this world. There are evil men that causes harm, and will hurt children. And they better be glad I'm not God. Because I wouldn't have the grace that God does for them. But these evil men, our children must, we must pray for their protection. We must pray that they'll be rescued from the evil one. Because so many of them have been ensnared by this world's thinking, by this, these ideas that pushes God to the side and makes Him an option and makes Him not real, makes Him irrelevant. Let me tell you something. Until we pray for God to rescue our children from the evil one, we won't see a revival among our children. Second thing, that we may be strengthened. Look at verse 3. But the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen. He will strengthen you from the evil one. He will strengthen you. See, the first one is about being overwhelmed and you just, you have no strength left. You just can't go anymore. You are just so overwhelmed by the evil one. Praying for being rescued from that. But the second one is about strength. It means that you're in the midst of the fight. That there's a battle going on in your life and you're trying to find a way out. You're trying to find victory, but the devil just seems to keep coming and keep coming and he's pounding and he's pounding and he's pounding. But Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And when you're weary and you're tired, we need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying, God, strengthen my brother, strengthen my sister against the evil one. Because if you're not aware, we all fight the battle seven days a week, 365 days a year. Let me ask you a question. This just came to mind. When's the last time you prayed for someone you love to be strengthened by God against the evil one? When's the last time you prayed for something like that for your children, for your spouse? Because the evil one wants to find people and get them depressed 
get them to a place where they don't want to live anymore. Because remember, he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. We need to be praying that God will rescue, that God will strengthen. You know some ways to be strengthened? Through the music of the Word. Sean, did you like that? Through the music of the Word. You know what that means? Worship. Today, we heard music, different styles, but it was the music of the Word that strengthens our heart and strengthens our mind because it's centered on this and not this. Any Christian song that you listen to or you pay attention to and it's all about this, you better turn it off because Satan comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing. He wants you to think that, that it should all be about me feeling good. That is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Worship is about the Word. So the Word through music, the Word through meditation and reading it, the, that will strengthen you when you read promises like, look, look at the promise in verse 3, the first few words. But the Lord is, what's the word? Faithful. But the Lord is faithful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's faithful. Because you know who's not? Me. You know who's not? All of us. But the Lord is always faithful. And you know what He will do? Look what it says. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you against the evil one. Now in the moment when you need that strength, you think there's just no way out. I just don't have what it takes. But let me tell you, when you've got a brother or sister that begins to pray, God strengthen my brother, my sister against the evil one. Then there can be some power that comes in. And we're going to talk about that in a second. The last one is this. Not only can we be rescued and strengthened, but the fourth one is so important. Look at this. Chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Protection. You know, I like this one because this means that you're not in the fight, you're not overwhelmed, that you're standing here and you're standing in a place where that battle may take place. So we need to be praying for God to protect us from the evil one. It's a safe zone that we're in. Let me tell you. I want to pray for my children to be protected from the evil one. You know who else prayed, prayed that? I think there's a pretty good model. I think it's somebody that you may know about. Someone who actually prayed something like, deliver us from evil. I'm trying to remember who that was. Somebody in the Bible, his name starts with a J and ends with Jesus. Hmm. Who was that that prayed, deliver us from evil? Jesus. Did you know that in John chapter 17, you know what he prayed? That you and I, those who would come after the disciples, would be delivered from the evil one. If Jesus would pray it, and Paul would ask this church to pray it, don't you think you and I can pray it and there be power in that prayer? See, here's the problem. We think, yeah, we can pray it, but we're not really believing God's going to do something. The Word of God says that God is faithful to strengthen and protect us from the evil one. 
You want to know why there may be an onslaught against our young people today? Because we, hey, me, me, myself, and I have not prayed for them to be protected from the evil one. I've been praying a lot of other things, but I need to start praying, God, protect this generation from the evil one. Because I, I, I got news for you. When I watch the news, the evil one is out and about trying to destroy this generation. I thank God for the generation that was up here this morning. Did you see this? Come on, church. We should be praising God. We, two college students, a young man who's, who's, who's college age that's not going to college yet, he's still trying to figure out what he's going to do. I mean, uh, but he's a great young guy, Brian Jr., my son, who is 14 years old playing drums, my daughter, who's 17, up here praising God. We need to praise the Lord for that. And we need to be praying for God to protect this generation from the evil one. Because let me tell you what they do find in colleges. Absolute resistance to the Word of God and to Jesus Christ. Because this is a problem. But let me tell you something. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe this is the solution right here. This is the truth that will give us the foundation we need to live life. But the devil wants to keep this generation in my generation and your generation from following what's here. So we need to be praying for protection. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters to be strengthened and some to even be rescued. Because evil exists and it's real. But let's talk about the power. Ooh, let's talk about the good stuff. Now I think I'll start preaching. The power is not found in you it's not found in your words. It's not even found in you bowing down on your knees. The power is found in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives within you. See, the power is this, that Jesus rendered the devil powerless. Come on, somebody get excited about that today. Jesus rendered the devil powerless and set us free from him. You go, well, why in the world am I dealing with him? Why is he such a battle? Why is it such a battle? Why is he so oppressing? Why is he messing up this world? Because he's got us to believe we still have to let him be in control and be in charge. He still has us duped into the lie that we can't escape it, that we're still under some type of control. But let me tell you, Hebrews chapter 2. When I was reading this week in my quiet time and I, I came across this verse, I was like, ooh, that is good, that is good. Hebrews chapter 2. So if you want to just take a right in, in your Bible, you can find it or just look it up there uh, in your, your electronic version. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. The writer says this, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood... He himself, Jesus himself, likewise also partook of the same. In other words, Jesus became flesh like you and I and lived like you and I in the flesh and dealt with things like you and I in the flesh. That through death... Oh, hold on now. I want to make sure you get this. So I'm going to read it to this side. Y'all listen very carefully. Through death... Through death... He might render powerless. 
through death that he might render powerless him who had the power of death. Listen, this side. Jesus, he rendered him who had the power of death powerless. Do you understand what he did? He took the power supply of Satan and ripped it right out. He pulled it out. He, he ripped it out, the, the wires, the, the cords, the, the, anything that was in there. He ripped out that power of Satan. And he rendered Satan powerless. But you know what Satan wants us to think? He's got power. You look around and you say, well, doesn't he look at what he's doing in this world? You would think he does. But for those of us who belong to Jesus Christ, Jesus died on the cross and rendered Satan powerless, ripped it out from him. And you know what's beautiful? He didn't stop there. Oh, man, this is good. He might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. In other words, Satan... Satan was there in Jesus when he died on the cross. He ripped the power out of Satan, of the fear, of the death, of all the things he was holding people slave to. And he came over here and he said, Hey, Clyde, let me give you some power. Here's my Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Spirit from above. He's going to come down. He's going to indwell man. And that power is going to be within you. It's going to work through you. Let me take the power from Satan and give it to you so that you may live a victorious life. You've been set free from this dude over here. But through the Holy Spirit, you have power. See, John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. We are not the ones that render Satan powerless. Because understand this, Satan's got some judo moves. He knows some karate. He knows all kinds of things that can get to you. He can mess you up. But you know what I have? I have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me that when I implore that move, Satan is powerless. When I stand back and say, go ahead, Satan. Take your best shot. But here comes Jesus, brother. Here he comes. So boom. Get him, God. Get him, Jesus. Satan has to run at the mention of his name. Because Jesus is the power. It's not you and I. We don't have the ability to feed him. But God does. See, I love how Greg Laurie explained this. He said that, that Satan understands that our power base comes from God. So if he can do everything he can to keep us from God, then he keeps us from the power of God. So if he can work and he can separate our hearts from God, then he's got us right where he wants us. So why do you think there's such a battle? Why do you think there's such a move of the evil one in our society to remove God from everything that God is so wrong and God is so bad? Because that's the power base that actually is the victory. Because ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. We're not fighting for victory. We need to fight from victory. Because Jesus has already won the victory. He's already given us victory through the Holy Spirit. And we need to walk in that. And not try to find it, but walk in it. The devil don't want us to know that. He don't want you to know that. He don't want you to believe that. He wants you to believe the fight's too much. You can't do it. You're not perfect. This isn't about you being perfect. This is about you being forgiven and having the Holy Spirit in your life. To have the power to go and to do. A.W. Tozer said this. 
I'm not afraid of the devil. The devil can handle me. He's got judo I've never heard of, but he can't handle the one to whom I'm joined. He can't handle the one to whom I'm united. He can't handle the one whose nature dwells in my nature. The devil can't handle Jesus Christ. For those of us who belong to Jesus, when we look around and we see how evil this world is, we should not be filled with fear. We should not be filled with dismay because we have access to the power that can defeat all of the schemes of the evil one. We walk in victory because of Christ and the cross and the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, seek first his kingdom. That must be first because if it's not first, then we let Satan in. And we allow him to use us, even as believers. Now, to clarify, I've been asked this several times. I do not believe scripturally and I do not believe theologically that there is a case where Satan can, can possess you as a born-again believer because there's no room for the devil to get in when the Holy Spirit's filling you up. But he sure can oppress you, mess with you, beat you down, and make you want to give up. But we as born-again believers, we got a victory to declare. And we need to be praying for each other and really leaning on Christ. That's, that's where we're going to get here with what must I do. The first thing is this. We must have confidence in Jesus. Paul said here, he said that he is faithful. He is faithful to what? To deliver and to strengthen from the evil one. So as we are focusing in on this scripture today, I want us to look in verse 4. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. What did they command? It's found in the very first verse. Pray. Let me tell you something. If you want victory in your life, pray. Pray more than God is good, God is great, let us thank Him for our food. Pray more than now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. I've never understood why we teach that to children. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. Good gracious, they're children. <laughs> but you know, the good thing is, is it teaches them to pray. And we have to keep in mind, prayer is critical and key. But we have to have confidence in the Lord as Paul is praying here. We have confidence in the Lord. He didn't say, I have confidence in you. I have confidence in the Lord that He's going to make sure you need to do what you need to be doing. And prayer is at the center of it. And so the second thing is, not only do we need to have the confidence in the Lord, we need to just simply pray. Pray. When we feel powerless and helpless and we cannot do it, we need to be praying. Prayer is not an addition to work. Prayer is the work. Prayer is that place we need to go before we engage in anything else. Prayer is the power of God unleashed on our behalf. So here's your seven-day challenge. Pray for someone specifically. Pray for someone by name. Not generically. Don't pray that Chicopee Baptist Church will be protected from evil. I appreciate you doing that. That's a name. But I want you to pray for someone. 
pray for someone by name that they will be strengthened or they will be protected or that they will be rescued from the evil one. You know who doesn't want you to do that? The evil one. So if you want to, if you want to do something that's the center of God's will and not His, I triple, double, dog dare you to pray that at least once this week. Pray for someone by name to be strengthened, protected, or rescued from the evil one. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it gives us hope in the face of the evil that this world is filled with. Lord, the evil that we are faced with makes us look forward to the joy that is to come and the hope that is found in heaven and in what is to come into our life. Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you that you are faithful. You're faithful to strengthen us, to protect us. You're faithful to rescue us. Father, right now, I'm calling out several names in my mind. Lord, I pray that you will protect them from the evil one. That you will throw up roadblocks. That you'll send angels. That you will do what is necessary to protect them from the evil one. That, Lord, that they may be able to stand. And Lord, when they are overwhelmed by the evil one, when he comes and he's attacking and you know that it's going to be for their benefit and they're going to grow, that Lord, I pray that you strengthen them. Strengthen them by the Holy Spirit from within. Strengthen them through a song. Strengthen them through a friend. Strengthen them through your word that they may know that they already have victory. And Lord, for when they are overwhelmed, I pray, God, that you'll rescue them. Your word says that you are our rescuer. So, God, we pray that you will rescue when that is necessary. Do not let us neglect the praying for those we love in regards to this. Lord, today the evil one does not want people to know you. And if there's someone here today who has never, ever accepted you as their Lord and Savior, they've never turned their life over to you. They're living a life trying to please people, trying to make people happy, trying to look good, but they've never just completely committed themselves to you. God, I pray right now you convict their heart so, so much that they must make a decision right now, that it's life and death, that they know this is the moment that it all hinges on, that they make a decision for you right now. So right now, God, deal with their hearts. Let them cry out to you and ask you to forgive them and to take over their life. It's that simple. If they'll just simply pray to you and ask you, Father, to forgive them, to take over their life. They can have eternal hope. Lord, we thank you for this day and how you have guided and directed and the victory that we walk in over the evil one. Deal with our hearts now, Lord, in Jesus' name.